Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode. And before we get started on that, let's say a word of prayer so that the Lord will be with us and guide us during our talk and discussion. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for another day of life and health. And Lord, thank you for the promises you've given us in the Bible. And thank you for revealing your truth and your words to us so that we may know the truth and not be deceived by the error that is going around. Lord, help us to prepare our hearts and our characters for your soon coming. Lord, we ask that you continue to lead and guide us in the right path and the right way. And we thank you in advance for all that you have done for us and the many blessings that you've given us, even the trials and the tribulations that we have to go through. Lord, thank you for those because it helps to prepare our characters for heaven. And we ask that you help us to lead others to your truth as well. And we ask all these things in your precious Holy Son's name. Amen. All right, so we've talked a lot recently about the misconceptions of Satan and about what happens when you die and angels and all that. So today, along that same theme, I wanted to talk about heaven and what is waiting for us when we get there and what it's going to be like. What are the promises for when we obey the Lord? What is it that we are looking so forward to when we get there? And with that, I'm going to read some Bible verses, and I'm going to also read from a passage from Ellen White. The book is called Heaven. So, first off, the most amazing thing about heaven is getting to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, seeing Him face to face, hearing from His own words and lips, wonderful messages messages and wonderful truths, always learning of the love that he has for us. There's always going to be so much to learn and to do once we get there. It's not going to just be sitting on clouds playing harps like most people think. No, (laughs) it's going to be so much more than that. There are going to be so many things to see and to do and to learn and people to talk to and there will never be a dull moment once we're there. And it's all going to be amazing because there's going to be no sin or degradation or evil surmisings or evil of any sort whatsoever. It's going to be pure and holy and filled with goodness and love and purity. And this is why we need to prepare our characters for that because no sin is going to be allowed in heaven just like it's not allowed now. Just like when Satan was cast out of heaven because he had turned into a wicked person. And as much as it hurt Jesus to to throw him out of heaven, it had to be done. Because if he had stayed there, he would have just caused more trouble and more dissension between the ranks. And it was not going to be good for anyone involved. And he wouldn't have been happy there because he just was going to try and cause trouble for everyone. I want to read from this passage and comment on it. And then I'm going to read some verses from the Bible in between and we'll go from there. So this is from, like I said, heaven. And It's pages 77 through to page 80. I encourage you to read it in your own time. It's really amazing to see what heaven is going to be like and how it's painted and portrayed. It's so beautiful and so wonderful. And it just makes you want to go there right now.
right now. I can understand why people who saw it like John the Revelator and, and Ellen White and when they saw it, they didn't want to leave because this world was so dark and evil compared to the wonderful brightness and light that's in heaven and the goodness there. Why would you want to come back to a world full of darkness and sin? I don't want to live in this evil world right now. And I haven't been privileged with the visions of heaven such as the prophets were, but from reading, I can only imagine what it will be like. And even then, my imagination cannot even begin to describe the glories of the heavenly place. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So we can't even begin to understand what is prepared for us. And it's because he loves us that he has prepared such a wonderful and beautiful home, a new home waiting for us. That is such an amazing thing to think about because he has so much love for us that he is willing to do all of these things for us. Now, with that being said, let's go into what it actually is talking about in the book Heaven. She begins with, The Garden of Eden remained upon the earth long after man had become an outcast from its pleasant paths. The fallen race were long permitted to gaze upon the home of innocence, their entrance barred only by the watching angels. At the cherubim-guarded gate of paradise, the divine glory was revealed. Hither came Adam and his sons to worship God. Here they renewed their vows of obedience to that law, the transgression of which had banished them from Eden. When the tide of iniquity overspread the world, and the wickedness of men determined their destruction by a flood of waters, the hand that planted Eden with drew it from the earth. But in the final restitution, when there shall be a new heaven and a new earth, which we find in Revelation 21.1, it is to be restored more gloriously, adorned than at the beginning. So here it starts at the beginning. When earth was first made, you had the Garden of Eden, a beautiful land because it was brand new and Eden was glorious. We can only imagine what it was like. And here we're told that when the new heaven and new earth are being made the second time, Eden is going to be put back in there and it will be more gloriously adorned than it first was at the beginning of time. That is amazing to think about. I mean, these people before the flood would have seen Eden and would have seen it preserved without thorn and thistle like they had to deal with on the ground. But nobody was allowed to enter into Eden because the cherubim guarded the gate with a flaming sword. And when the flood happened, Eden was taken up into heaven to preserve it and keep it until the time when it's going to be restored more gloriously than at the beginning. And that's amazing to think about. Here they had the physical representation of what sin had brought to the earth. They could see the glories that the Lord gave and what the consequences were for sinning. Unfortunately, the world just got too wicked. Even with that symbol in front of them, they just didn't care. And so the flood had to happen and wash the world. But again, sin found a way and it became just as bad after the flood as it was before. So the Lord was loving in the fact that he preserved 
Eden for us so that we can see and enjoy it as well when we make it to the new heaven and the new earth. She continues on. Then they that have kept God's commandment shall breathe in immortal vigor beneath the tree of life. And through unending ages, the inhabitants of sinless worlds shall behold in that garden of delight a sample of the perfect work of God's creation, untouched by the curse of sin, a sample of what the whole earth would have become had man but fulfilled the Creator's glorious plan. That's also found in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 62. This is a very interesting statement. Here she says worlds plural, which means that we are not alone. There are other worlds out there that are untouched by sin, and we'll get to meet those people. These people are also rooting for us to do the right, to choose Jesus, and to choose the path of righteousness. They're looking on with bated breath to see what we do. And I, for one, would love to meet these people and see how they live their lives for these 6,000 years that earth has been around. And even before that, like, I'd love to hear the whole story. It'd be so amazing to see other worlds and to see what they're like and to meet these people. And I can't even imagine what it would be like. It's so amazing to think that there's these other worlds out there that we're not alone, that we're just alone in the fact that we're the only planet that ended up sinning and choosing the bad side and Instead of the Lord's side, we ended up falling for Satan's tricks through Adam and Eve. And thus the consequences of that became evident and we're still living with that. And so we'll get to see what earth would have been like had it never sinned. It's going to be amazing to see what the new world is going to be like for us too. It's going to be more glorious. No pollution, no earthquakes, no death or destruction. The world isn't going to be harmful to us anymore. There's going to be beauty everywhere you look. There's not going to be thorns and thistles and things that can harm us. Air pollution. Everything is going to be pure and good and lovely. A vision was given to Moses. He saw the second coming of Christ in glory. The righteous dead raised to immortal life and the living saints translated without seeing death and together ascending with songs of gladness to the city of God. So here she tells us that Moses was also given a vision of the second coming of Christ. He was able to see what was going to happen to those who love the Lord and follow the Lord when Jesus comes the second time to receive the people. She continues with that and says, still another scene opens to his view. The earth freed from the curse, lovelier than the fair land of promise so lately spread out before him. There is no sin and death cannot enter. There the nations of the saved find their eternal home. With joy unutterable, Moses looked upon the scene, the fulfillment of a more glorious deliverance than his brightest hopes have ever pictured. Their earthly wanderings forever past, the Israel of God have at last entered the goodly land. What a beautiful vision to have. I mean, I wish I could have seen what he saw, but we can, with the eyes of faith, look up and behold what is to come. And we know from looking around the earth today, it's a beautiful world still. 
even after all that man has done to this earth, even with all of the pollution and all of the things that are going on, there are still lovely places on the planet. And the world is a beautiful place still, but that's nothing compared to what is to come. And that is going to be amazing to be able to actually see it too. We'll be able to see the Lord creating the new heavens and the new earth. We'll get to see creation firsthand. That will be epic. I am looking forward to seeing that and to be able to explore it all. That's going to be so much fun and so amazing. It continues with this. When Eden shall bloom on earth again, God's law of love will be obeyed by all beneath the sun. We will obey the Lord with love because we know that he loves us. See, obedience to God is showing you love him and he created those rules because he loved us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's going to make us happy and safe and he's not going to require of us something unpleasant to do. He wants us to do these things not because he's a strict and harsh unfair God like Satan likes to portray him. No, he has these rules and regulations because he knows that it's for our own good. He does not ask us more than we are capable of doing. We must put away flesh like the Bible says, like Paul advises us. We need to ask the Lord to create in us a new heart because it says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is why we need to have a new heart created in us because our heart is not to be trusted. We need the Lord to put in a new heart and create in us a clean spirit as well. We need to go to him moment by moment, day by day. It's not a once saved, always saved situation. She continues with the great plan of redemption results in fully bringing back the world into God's favor. All that was lost by sin is restored. Not only man, but the earth is redeemed to be the eternal abode of the obedient. For 6,000 years, Satan has struggled to maintain possession of the earth. Now God's original purpose in its creation is accomplished. The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And that's from Daniel 7 verse 18. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Psalms 113.3 In that day shall there be one God and his name one, and Jehovah shall be king over all the earth. Zechariah 14.9 says the scripture, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. Psalms 119 verses 89 and also chapter 111 verses 7 and 8. The sacred statues which Satan has hated and sought to destroy will be honored throughout a sinless universe. And as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Isaiah 61:11. You can also find that in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 342. Satan has been struggling for these 6,000 years to maintain possession of the earth, but we know that Christ has claimed dominion over the earth and he made sure of it by his death and resurrection. He came down as a sacrifice to to save us from ourselves and from the wickedness of the world, to save us from Satan, and so that we can live with him forever and ever and never have to worry about a demon or devil ever again or the wickedness surrounding the 
this horrible planet. She continues with this. When the faithful dead shall be resurrected, and the King of glory shall open before them the gates of the city of God, and the nations who have kept the truth enter in, what beauty and glory will meet the astonished sight of those who have seen no greater beauties in the earth than that which they beheld in decaying nature after the threefold curse was upon the earth. It is impossible to describe Adam's transports of joy as he again beholds paradise, the Garden of Eden, his once happy home, from which, because of his transgression, he had been so long separated. He beholds the lovely flowers and trees of every description for fruit and beauty, every one of which to designate them he had named while in his innocence. He sees the luxuriant vines which had once been his delight to train upon bowers and trees. But when he again beholds the widespread tree of life with its extended branches and glowing fruit and to him again is granted access to its fruit and leaves, his gratitude is boundless. He first in adoration bows at the feet of the king of glory and then with the redeemed host swells the song, Worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Adam had lost Eden by disobeying the commandments of God. He has now regained that lovely garden by repentance and faithful obedience. The curse rested upon him for disobedience. The blessing now for his obedience. This is an amazing passage. Not only Adam, but we as well will be restored to what it once was. Only better, in fact. And we'll get to see the glorious land. And we will, with Adam, be saying, Worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Adam lost Eden by disobedience, like she said. And we also can lose out on heaven if we are disobedient to what God wants of us, desires of us. We must sacrifice everything. We must let go of every besetting sin. Because heaven is worth it. Jesus is worth it. The love that he has for us is beyond anything that we will ever experience or know on this earth. His love goes beyond that of a parent, of a spouse, of a child, of anything you might know. His love is boundless like the ocean. And that is so awesome to think about. And it's sometimes beyond our comprehension because we can't fathom that kind of love. And that's why it's going to be our study throughout eternity. We'll see new facets of the Lord's love every single day. We'll discover something else that we never realized before. This is why it's so important to take every single moment of every single day and get a closer walk with Christ like Enoch had. He walked with God every day until God took him to be with him forever. And we need that close relationship with him as well. We need it moment by moment. If we are not grounded with Christ and Christ is not living with us and we are not going to him every moment of every day, we will fall. We will lose out on eternity. We won't gain the victory. We cannot do this alone. We must do it with him. He must do it through us as well. We must be an example to others. And heaven is waiting for us. The Lord is waiting for us to be with him forever. He wants to show us all of these beautiful things that he has for us and has prepared for us. Like it says in the Bible, in these verses, it says in Matthew 7, 13 through 15, enter ye in at the straight 
great gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves." here we're told that to get into heaven is going to be hard. We are left with the free will and choice to make a decision of which path we go down. And we're told that there's going to be false prophets that are going to try to lead us away. We're told of the destructions. We're told of the deceit that is waiting for us. This is not an easy pathway, but it's so rewarding because of the love of Jesus. And he can lead us through. We are not alone. He gives us this promise in John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. So the Lord is preparing a place for us, which we know is heaven and and the new earth, and mansions, and a new home. It's going to be amazing where the streets are paved with gold, and the gates are made of pearl. I mean, the Lord has made our home to be very beautiful, so that we will see beauty wherever we look. And the most beautiful thing about that heavenly home is not the gems, and the gold, and the pearls, or the mansions. It's seeing the lovely face of our Redeemer, and being able to be with Him forevermore. So, in Colossians 3, 1 through 7, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry for which things sake the wrath of god cometh on the children of disobedience in the which ye also walk some time when ye live in them here we're told that we need to get rid of all of these evil habits and evil things that we may have done once we were in the world and we need to look to heaven instead on heavenly things we need to look to jesus who is our author and finisher of our faith we need to set our affections on those things on him. We struggle because Satan wants our souls. He tempts us with what he knows will get to us. But we are more than conquerors through Christ. This is why we're given so much encouragement in the Bible to be of good courage, to be not deceived. We need to live our lives in Christ and set our affections on things above. Otherwise, we will not make it into heaven. We need to get rid of all of this sin in our life, uncleanness, inordinate affection, fornication, covetousness, all of the others that it mentioned, idolatry, all of it is important. We need to get rid of all of the disobedience in our hearts. In Revelation 7, 13 through 17, it says, And one 
of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Here we're given a beautiful promise of the things to come. If we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb, they can be clean. We have filthy rags right now, but we can wash them in the blood of the Lamb and we'll be given new garments, white, beautiful garments, because we've asked for forgiveness of our sins and have gone to the Lord for help and guidance. And because of that, and if we live every day of our life like that, we will be with God, dwelling with Him, and we'll never hunger or thirst, and we won't be affected by the heat of the day, nor the coldness of winter, or any of that. And God will wipe away all tears from our eyes, so there will be no more death or sadness. Like it says in Revelation 21, 4 through 8, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Once again, it's saying that the tears will be wiped from our eyes, there'll be no more crying or sorrow or pain, and we'll be with the Lord, who is the beginning beginning and the end. He is all these things. We won't hunger or thirst. We'll have the river of life, the tree of life, and God who is going to be with us. But we need to overcome, and we can only overcome with Christ in us, working through us, our hands united with Christ, us going to him, praying, seeking him out, studying, and having the love of Christ in our hearts. And this comes from a moment-by-moment connection with the Father. And all of the badness that is in the world now will be done away with in the lake of fire, which we'll get into on another podcast. In ST, July 31st, 1893, paragraph 2, it says, But those who have developed a character after the satanic order would not be at home in heaven. The sinful, selfish, passionate accuser and criticizer would be miserable in heaven. And even in the councils of the court of God, because of his 
his lack of wisdom, he would reveal his uncourteous, unsympathizing, harsh disposition. If he were placed upon the very loftiest pinnacle and held supremacy in angelic councils, he would still want to be in a higher position and even covet the throne of God. There would be no happiness for such a man in heaven. He could not practice evil thinking, evil speaking, be boisterous, critical, and condemnatory amid the peaceful hosts of the redeemed. Could such a one enter heaven, he would find that he had brought his untamable, unmanageable self along, and heaven itself could not afford him relief from his innate disposition. Heaven begins in the soul, and as heavenly mindness increases, Christ is more and more appreciated, and finally becomes the chiefest among ten thousand, the one altogether lovely. But as Satan is allowed to control the mind, his attributes become a part of the character of the one whom he controls, and the sinner exercises himself unto more and more ungodliness. It says it right there. If we have sin in our hearts and sin in our lives, we will not find heaven happy. We won't like it there. So we have a choice to make. We need to decide whether we want to be with Jesus forever and in his loving embrace or face the penalty of what sin brings because heaven is only a place for those who love the Lord and love to obey his commandments. It's very solemn indeed when we think about the consequences and what is going to happen in the end. We need to stop playing on Satan's dangerous ground and start doing what is right. And you know, when we are doing right and we finally do get in heaven, we'll never have to worry about all of the evilness in the world. The people who do horrible things will not be in heaven. So we don't have to worry about death and destruction or fear anything in the new earth because all of that will be passed away and will be brought no more to our remembrance. And that is such a beautiful thing. And I want that. I want to be where there is no wickedness, there is no sin, where I don't have to fear any of the sin-sick things in this world. I want to be in a place where all is lovely and good and pure and where people have true love for one another and true kindness, where all is just peace and harmony, true peace. And that sounds like a place I want to live forever, don't you? In Revelation 22, 3 through 7, it says again, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. This is reiterating the facts we've heard before. There's going to be no more curse. We'll get to see him face to face. We'll get to talk with him, walk with him. There's going to be no need of the sun. There will be no more darkness. We'll get to be in the light of the sun of righteousness. But we must keep the sayings of the book. 
We must be faithful unto death. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. For these things are coming quickly. Time is running short. We have no time to waste. We must get our hearts and our lives ready and prepared. For soon is coming upon us such a time that we have never seen. Worse than the Great Depression. Worse than what Hitler did to the Jews. Worse than any world war you've ever seen. We need to have our hearts and lives prepared for this. We must get ready. I must get ready. I must change my character as well. There are things in my life that I need to work on, that I need to change. And it's only through me working with the Lord every single moment of every single day that we'll be able to do this. Like I've said again and again, and I will say it again and again because it is so important to hear this. And one last verse in the Bible, it says in Ezekiel 28, 24 through 26, and there shall be no more a pricking briar unto the house of Israel, nor any grieving thorn of all that are round about them, that despiseth them. And they shall know that I am the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, when I shall have gathered the house of Israel from the people among whom they are scattered, and shall be sanctified in them in the sight of the heathen, then shall they dwell in their land that I have given to my servant Jacob. And they shall dwell safely therein, and shall build houses, and plant vineyards. Yea, they shall dwell with confidence. When I have executed judgments upon all those that despise them round about them, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Amen. This is amazing. And this verse right here shows that we're not just going to be sitting around doing nothing. We'll be building houses. We'll be planting gardens and doing all of these things. There's going to be so much to do, so many things that we'll be able to see and study and we're not just going to be sitting idly by. It's going to be amazing all what is prepared for us and all that we have yet to learn. This study could literally go on forever and we could talk all day of the glories of what is to come, of the streets of gold I mentioned before. And we could read of all of the beauties of heaven and all of the things. And I highly encourage you to go and read that for yourself. See all of the promises in the Bible of what is to come, of the glories of a better place where out of the throne of God issues the river of life. And on either side of the river of life, the tree of life will be planted. And yet it's still one tree and it bears 12 manner of fruit. That is amazing. And where the gates are one giant pearl. I mean, we have nothing like this today. We don't have pearls the size of gate nowadays, but it's in heaven and beautiful to behold. All of that beauty and all of that glory pales in comparison to the beauty and majesty of God. No wonder why we throw the crown at their feet and bow before them and say, it is enough. Heaven is cheap enough. Worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And with that being said, I think I'll end with a song. It was really difficult to choose a song because there is a lot of hymns talking about heaven and what is to come. But I think this one fits in really well. So I'll be doing this one. It's called No Night There. You may be familiar with it. If not, it's a beautiful hymn. Here it goes. In the land of fadeless day lies the city four square. It shall never pass away. 
and there is no night there. God shall wipe away all tears. There's no death, no pain, no fears. And they count not time by years, for there is no night there. All the gates of pearl are made in the city four square. All the streets with gold are laid, and there is no night there. God shall wipe away all tears. There's no death, no pain, no fears, and they count not time by years, for there is no night there. All the gates shall never close to the city four square. There life's crystal river flows, and there is no night there. God shall wipe away all tears. There's no death, no pain, no fears, and they count not time by years, for there is no night there. There they need no sunshine bright in the city four square, for the Lamb is all the light, and there is no night there. God shall wipe away all tears, there's no death, no pain, no fears, and they count not time by years, for there is no night there. Amen. And I want to be in the city for square where there is no night and where there's no pain and no fears and where God is going to get rid of all of the wickedness of the world and where we can be face to face with God forever. And I can't wait. And I pray every day that I am ready for this heavenly home. And you should pray as well. Pray for me as I pray for you. Let's get ready for the kingdom that's coming. Remember what it says in in Matthew 5:16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And with that being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.